Chris Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. So the Buffalo Bills defeated the Chicago Bears, the Bears, 35-13 to to stay as the number one seed in the AFC. And... It's very interesting to see how far the Bills fans have come on social media after a 22-point victory because the Bills performed below offensive expectations overall. I think we can all agree with that. Their star receiver had 26 yards. Their quarterback threw a boneheaded interception, had the win take another one. And they also scored 35 points, one by 22, and outgained their opponent by over 200 yards. A same opponent, mind you, who was within three points of the team with the best record in football, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. But as can sometimes be the case, our desire for depth sometimes impacts our ability to consume breadth. I've talked a little bit about depth and breadth on this podcast a couple times before. But that's the thing that's interesting about people who follow a specific team so incredibly intently. And I've mentioned before on this show that if you listen to this show, if you are listening to these words, you are a Bills super fan relative to most. You are the top upper echelon of people who are interested in the Bills. Not because I think super highly of my own podcast, but because only super fans listen to Buffalo Bills podcasts like mine. You have to dig a little deeper to get to this show. So if you're listening to this, you are digging deeper. You are trying to go deeper. But it's why perspective is so important when you have games like this against the Chicago Bears. Because perspective is granted by consuming broader information. So what happens is we criticize national media members for getting things wrong about our team and say, oh, wow, this is why you follow local. And we raise our fists and we shake them and we bring out our pitchforks and our torches. They get criticized for their lack of depth about a certain issue, but that's missing the point. You're not listening to national media members. You're not following other teams for the depth. You're following them for the breadth because the breadth is what gives you perspective. Don't just listen to me. My pod is not designed to be the sole source of information for Bill's mafia. It is a supplementary pod. There's lots of things I don't even get to. The show is once a week and there's so many things that happen in a 24 seven sport like the bills and like football. Don't listen to just me. There are plenty of things I don't even talk about. There isn't a singular source for the level of breadth and depth combined 
that would make you simultaneously an expert on the goings-on with the Bills and also informed enough as an NFL fan in general. That show doesn't exist. You have to consume things that give you depth about your own team, and you have to consume things that give you breadth. Because if the only thing you know is your own team, you're missing the point. It's a team sport. Your team has to play other teams. Your acknowledgement of your own team, all the depth in the world will not give you the context necessary because you don't have the context because you don't know about anything else but your own team. There's somebody out there who didn't know that that same Chicago Bears team absolutely took the Eagles down to the last of it. They gave them everything they got. It took the Eagles pulling that out to beat the Bears. And the Eagles, by many people's accounts, are the best team in football. You got to have breath, but you got to have depth. So you can listen to shows like this for depth. But if you don't go out and get yourself some breath from other places, imagine taking the first segment of a podcast to tell you to listen to shows that aren't that podcast. Imagine being that guy. Couldn't be me. I would never. But that's what I'm doing. This is a great example. Because what we do is we compare our reality to someone else's highlight reel. Because we don't know their reality. We do it in football. We know everything about our team. We know our team's swing tackle. We know the guy who's coming off of IR to save us on the offensive line like Ike Butker. We know the fourth inactive safety for our own team. But we don't know any of that stuff about another team. And I'm not saying that you should. That's pretty much impossible. It's the reason why breath can sometimes not be as deep. It's the reason why sometimes someone who covers the entire NFL can miss something on a specific team. But it's not just about depth. We always talk about depth. It's about both. You got to have both. Because all the depth in the world isn't going to matter if you don't have the context that is given to you by the breadth. We compare our reality to someone else's highlight reel. We know everything about our team. We only know the highlights of what we see of some other team. We do this in life. We do it all the time. It's one of the reasons why social media is so dangerous. You know what your life actually looks like but you are constantly bombarded with the highlight reel of somebody else's life. And then you get dissatisfied because you think to yourself, well, my life doesn't look like that. Their life doesn't look like that either. You're seeing the highlights of their life on Instagram. You're seeing the filtered, cropped, and edited version of their life. But you see the reality of your own. And that creates dissatisfaction. And now we do it with our team. We know the reality of the Buffalo Bills. And we see the highlights of all the other teams. And we look at the highlights of other teams and go, well, my team doesn't look like that. Their team doesn't look like that either. You just saw the highlights. But if we acknowledge that and we go and seek out some of that breath, it can provide context to our own depth that we know about our own team. You're never going to know the Vikings the way you know the Bills. That would be ridiculous. And I wouldn't ask you to. But the more breadth you can get, the more context you can get and add 
to the depth that you already have as your knowledge of your own team. Both things are necessary. So if you're somebody who says, I only pay attention to the bills, that's okay. Just know that you're going to have to actively fight against the perspective and the opinions that are naturally going to come more easily to you because you don't have the breadth of knowledge. You don't have the perspective that comes from knowing those things. Knowing what the Bears are going through, knowing what the Eagles are going through, knowing what the Chiefs are going through. But the biggest possible way you can lead to dissatisfaction in your own team is by comparing your own reality to somebody else's highlight reel. It's dangerous. It's bad for your mindset. It's bad for your thinking. In the social media world, now we have to deal with it on a personal level. We have to deal with mental health issues that arise from that. Because people know their own reality. And they see the juxtaposition between what they know to be true about their own lives and what they think to be true about someone else's life. Well, I don't look like that. Well, she doesn't look like that either. That's makeup and filters and angles and editing. She doesn't look like that either. Well, man, I'm not as happy as them. They're not as happy as them either. They just look like they are. So as it is true in our real lives, so is it also true with our football fandom and consumption. We're going to talk about Isaiah Hodgins, but we're going to take a quick break first. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You know... I didn't think that one of the biggest storylines to come out of the Bills-Bears game was not going to have anything to do with the Bills or Bears. But I do these shows based entirely on my perspective of how Bills Mafia is feeling after a Bills game. What are they talking about? And I address those topics. And in this case, one of the things that popped up a lot was Isaiah Hodgins. And so I wrote a piece for Buffalo Rumblings about it. And I said, it's a tale as old as time. You know, during the preseason in training camp, you have the perceived depth of a team. You have a bunch of fan optimism. Those things combine to generate the following phrase or some version of the following phrase. This team is going to cut players who can absolutely play on another NFL team. Now we mean it as a sign of respect when we say it. We're complimenting how deep the team is. We're complimenting the talent acquisition of the franchise. And we're outlining the difficult releases that are to come. But for a lot of people, we aren't prepared to actually confront the reality in the situation that we outlined in the statement. If a team cuts a player who can be a rosterable asset in the NFL, it stands to reason that occasionally that phenomenon is going to actually occur. If they can be a rosterable asset in the NFL, then it stands to reason at some point that they might. That might actually happen. The thing you said might happen might actually happen. Someone on your favorite team who gets released or moved on from in some other way may very well show up on another team and contribute to that squad. Such is the case for former Buffalo Bills sixth round pick Isaiah Hodgins. So Hodgins was released 
from the active roster by the Bills on November 1st. And he was claimed on waivers by the Giants the next day. Immediately, the consternation started to begin. Former Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable was the head coach for the Giants, after all. And he might just be able to get Hodgins the playing time he hadn't gotten in bulk during his time in Buffalo. Since his first active game with the Giants in Week 10, Hodgins has 29 receptions on 36 targets for 309 yards and three touchdowns. During that same span, Gabriel Davis has contributed 27 catches on 45 targets for 346 yards and three touchdowns. This statistical comparison that you've probably seen before and the focus on the former Oregon State receiver since he got to East Rutherford has caused some hand-wringing amongst some in Bill's Mafia. They say, well, it was a mistake to part ways with Hodgins. I am not personally willing to criticize the team heavily for it, and I will tell you why. The first thing you have to do is examine the status of the Bills when they made the release. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're just doing retroactive criticism. You're saying, well, it worked out. Or, well, it didn't work out. But let's go back to that moment in time. The Bills traded for safety Dean Marlone for the Falcons at the trade deadline. And then they activated cornerback Tredavious White to the active roster. To do so, they needed two roster spots. Isaiah Hodgins got released. Brandon Bryant got released. All right, let's start with Marlowe. Right now, you might be thinking that because the Bills don't even activate Marlowe, keeping Hodgins instead of trading for Marlowe might have been the better call. But Hodgins wasn't going to be active either. And he hadn't been up to that point for any meaningful amount of time. He had been active for two games and received a grand total of six targets, all of which came when the Bills were blowing out the Steelers. The safety position, on the other hand, had seen Micah Hyde suffer a neck injury with the likelihood of missing significant time, probably the whole season, but there's been some whispers he might be able to come back. While Jordan Poyer was, and still is, mind you, dealing with an elbow injury. There was one game where Jaquan Johnson was forced to start. You remember how that went? He was one of the main goats, and I don't mean it as an acronym. In the post-game narrative, missed tackles, bad angles against the run. It wasn't good. Now, pivot over to the receiver room. The Bills still have their star number one in Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis at that time was weeks removed from an ankle injury that caused him to miss week two and was playing his usual 85 to 98% of the snaps. Gabriel Davis plays a ton for this team. Isaiah McKenzie was active every game, and at that point in time, he was the main returner for the team. Remember, Naheem Hines didn't take that rollover until after he was acquired at the trade deadline. So at the time when everything happened, Isaiah McKenzie, active every game, main returner. People were, and still are, begging for rookie fifth-round pick Khalil Shakir to get more snaps on offense. The team made the call with Marlowe in, Hodgins out. They made that maneuver, and they said with that maneuver that they were more comfortable with Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Shakir as a top-four wide receiver group then injured Poyer, Hamlin, Johnson, Cam Lewis, safety group. Do you disagree? Do you think Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Shakir 
is better or worse than injured Poyer, Hamlin, Johnson, Can Lewis. If you said that that safety group is worse than that wide receiver group, then you made the same call that the Bills did. I'm inclined to agree. The second transaction is the release of Brandon Bryant. He, like Hodgins, was claimed. Brandon Bryant got claimed by the Texans. But he was released back on December 12th, and now he's back on the Bills practice squad. You see, Bryant and Hodgins had both been back and forth multiple times between the Bills active roster and the practice squad. And so it's no surprise that Bryant would be an obvious candidate for a release with the hopes of getting him back onto the practice squad. But we acknowledge that logic with Brandon Bryant, but we don't acknowledge that logic with Isaiah Hodgins, who's in the same spot. Hodgins had been released at the end of training camp in 2021 and signed to the practice squad. He was there the whole season for anyone to scoop up. He again was released in August of 2022 and signed to the practice squad. During both of these transactions and during the entire time, someone in the NFL could have claimed Isaiah Hodgins. It was only after his former offensive coordinator had a rash of injuries to his new wide receiver group that Hodgins got claimed and then utilized. Here's what was going on with the Giants at the time. They lost Sterling Shepard and Wandale Robinson to torn ACLs in the season. They had lost Colin Johnson to a torn Achilles in August. All of those players are receivers. The Shepard injury happened in October. The Robinson injury happened on November 20th, which you will note was a couple weeks after the Giants had claimed Hodgins. Right after the injury, Isaiah Hodgins now had target counts of 4664 and had snap counts of 70 or more every game after the injury to Wandale Robinson. Before the injury to Wandale Robinson, it was 62 to 59%, and he had seven total targets. Even after the Giants claimed him, he was on the back burner until Wandale Robinson got hurt. So they need to have Colin Johnson get hurt, Sterling Shepard get hurt, then Isaiah Hodgins gets cut, they claim him, but he's not a meaningful part of the offense, and then Wandale Robinson gets hurt. All of these things needed to happen for Isaiah Hodgins to get run because luck is part of it. Brian Dable, who knows Hodgins as well as any non-Buffalo Bills staff member in the league, needed two people to go down before he put a claim on him. Mind you, this is not a diminishment of Hodgins. I've said before that when I was evaluating the wide receiver class in that year, I actually had a slightly higher grade on Hodgins than I did on Gabriel Davis. I like Isaiah Hodgins. But the release of Hodgins at the end of training camp made sense. The Bills chose Jake Kumro, who would be active on game day as a special teams player, over Hodgins in that wide receiver room. Nothing wrong with that statement. If you're going to be wide receiver five, you got to play special teams. Then... The release in the middle of the season, knowing that there was a good chance the Bills could probably get Hodgins back because they've done it multiple times, also makes sense. Trade for Marlowe, Tredavious White coming back. Brandon Bryant and Isaiah Hodgins were two sides of the same coin. The Bills just didn't get him back. But it was reasonable to think that they could have. 
And had the Giants not suffered through the rash of injuries that they did, they probably would have gotten him back on the practice squad. So I recognize that Hodgins might go on to a productive NFL career. I'm not going to chalk this one up as a harsh L for McBean. I'm more than willing to hand them L's. This just isn't one of them. The Bills needed to have suffered injuries to both of their starting safeties to necessitate a trade for Marlowe, and the team that just happened to be coached by Hodgins' all-offensive coordinator needed to have multiple injuries in the position, one of which occurred right before Hodgins got released. Timing is everything in the NFL. And sometimes it doesn't work out for you to keep a player who, due to a multitude of reasons, had bounced back and forth between the active roster and the practice squad. I do find it ironic that Isaiah Hodgins was kind of a victim of circumstance during his time in Buffalo, and then the Bills end up being a victim of circumstance in not being able to secure him once again to the practice squad in November of 2022. I'm just not willing to do it. There are people who are saying, well, the Bills signed John Brown and Cole Beasley to the practice squad. Clearly there was an issue. The Bills signed John Brown to the practice squad after they lost Hodgins. I think they would have preferred to have Hodgins on the practice squad. Them signing John Brown to the practice squad is not an indication that their wide receivers are unsettled and for that reason they should have kept Hodgins. The only reason that the signing of John Brown was necessary to begin with is because they didn't get Hodgins back on the practice squad. You got the chicken and the egg backwards. Well, I prefer Isaiah Hodgins at this stage to John Brown. So did the Bills. <laughs> they did too. They agree with you. We're running out of time, so I'm going to get the plurality pie, and then I'm going to get out of here. Plurality pie. Bills, Bears, Devin Singletary, James Cook, Josh Allen. 14, 14, 14%. Nice to see the running game show up. Having the running game show up without Mitch Morse is even more impressive. Happy about that. Pleased about that. Happy with the development we've seen from James Cook. I'm not all the way in on Cook being like the guy, as in a bell cow guy in 2023. You've seen me say Cook Hines 2023. Let's just split it up. Let's do running back by committee, grab a third person, call it a day. I'll be happy with that. But happy with what we've seen. Leslie Frazier, 12%. Justin Fields rushing is not entirely due to game plan because there's also a non-throwing shoulder injury that I'm sure he's trying to protect. But Justin Fields was not a factor at all on the ground. Not, not a factor less not a factor at all. Scheme was impressive and really important for that. Tremaine Edmonds, related to the last point, 11%. Ed Oliver, 10%. Other, 25%. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We did the thing. Talked about breadth and depth. Talked about Isaiah Hodgins. We gave out some plurality pie. We didn't get to emails because I try to keep these things at 25 minutes or under as much as humanly possible. And that's it. That's all there is to it. I guess you could say that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.